Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. It's Sophia. Welcome to Work in Progress. Hello, friends and Whip Smarties. Today, we are joined by a woman who I have the most enormous brain and activism crush on. She is brilliant, inspiring, and someone who, oh God, <laughs> gives me so much hope. You know, this this has been a really up and down year for a lot of people, and there is so much suffering in the world. And I know so many of us feel like we're helpless to change these big systems that are certainly not helping many humans. And then along comes Alexis McGill-Johnson, the president and CEO of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund and Planned Parenthood Federation of America, who just injects hope and ethics and incredible research and makes everything make sense. She is the kind of woman who reminds me that we are all powerful and capable and that in community we can make anything happen. Alexis has degrees in politics from Princeton and political science from Yale. She has taught political science at Yale and Wesleyan. She served as an incredible culture maker working to activate the hip hop community through the Hip Hop Summit Action Network to get out the vote. She was the executive director of Citizen Change, has launched incredible voter action campaigns, and in 2009, she founded something called the Perception Institute, a research group that studies bias reduction and discrimination. And in 2019, she was announced as Planned Parenthood's acting president 
and became the permanent president and CEO of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund in 2020. At Planned Parenthood, they deliver vital reproductive health care, sex education, and information to millions of people in our country and worldwide. They have a network of 49 affiliates that provides vital health care to more than 2 million people every year at nearly 600 health centers across the country. They provide care to women, to men, and to non-binary folks, including abortion services, referrals, birth control, emergency contraceptives, primary care, HIV services, transgender hormone therapy, men's health services, patient education, pregnancy testing services, STD testing, y'all make sure you're getting tested regularly, please and thank you, treatments and vaccines, and women's services. And since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade 18 months ago, 21 states, largely across the South and Midwest, have banned or restricted access to abortion. This has resulted in over one in three women without access to care in their states and has created a public health crisis. And Planned Parenthood is fighting back. We are so lucky to have Alexis as a leader. She is gearing up for the fight over Mifepristone in 2024 and offering inspiration as to how we can build Roe back better and ensure that women and pregnant people have access to the care that they need. Today, we're going to talk about stories that really illustrate the peril of these bans. We're going to talk about the importance of bringing attention to these policies and the ways that we can all fight back. Enjoy. I'm so excited to have you here. I think it's been such a whirlwind year uh, politically and certainly for women and pregnant people. And it's been a rough couple of years, certainly for all of us. And I, I have one million questions for you. But before we get into what's happening currently and, and what's coming in 2024, for this election cycle and, and, you know, the bills state by state we need to pay attention to, I, I want to sort of rewind and begin in the personal, though the political is personal, obviously, to all of us. But I'm, I'm so curious about you and your life before, you know, you becoming the Alexis McGill Johnson that we all know, <laughs> the, you know, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood, the, the accolades and the teaching and all of it. I, I would love to know a little bit about who you were as a kid, you know, what your interests were, where you grew up, if you see from this point in your life, inklings of the woman you are today and yourself at, say, eight or nine Oh my gosh, <laughs> going way back when. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you know. in some ways, I guess you always feel like yourself, right? Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, you can't separate that out. But I feel, I feel fully realized in myself in a way that mm-hmm. I think uh, stepping into this role has allowed me to, not just through like all of the career choices that, you know, I've made, been voluntold into, um, but, but just remembering, like, I've always been a curious person. I've always been mm-hmm. someone, you know, kind of my, my parents were, you know, a kind of activists growing up. So I've always had like a passion for social justice and mm-hmm. I've always had kind of a curiosity for 
how things work, how systems work, how big, complicated things come together. And, Mm. um, you know, I do think that that in some ways that that curiosity, that desire for good, that desire for making things better, not just kind of coming into movement work with a passion, but also with like a science lens of trying to understand kind of what makes it all tick. Mm. Um, I think is something that I feel like I still feel like I bring that to every conversation that I have with my teams. Mm, that's very cool. And when you say that your parents were activists, what what was it like in your house as a child? What sort of causes and projects were they working on? What were you observing as a kid? So I grew up in New Jersey, in a suburb of New York, um, predominantly white town, but the, you know, it was inside of the county, you know, was the the most people of color within the, the county. Mm. So I had very solid kind of, you know, church and community roots, um, but also spent a, a good portion of time engaged with, um, you know, all, all kinds of folks who, um, you know, I, I think for the most part were, somewhat conservative in their politics um, and, you know, and also living through kind of a, a new era of time. So my parents, uh, my father was a doctor. My mom was a um, executive at AT&T Bell Laboratories where she started off as her mm-hmm. as a secretary and made her way all the way up to being a vice president of, of labor negotiations. And, you know, like, obviously those are not activist jobs. They're very corporate <laughs> central jobs. Um, but it was the way in which they both practiced their activism inside of those spaces and also mm-hmm. did so, you know, at home, right? So my mom, you know, would would um, anyone who, you know, needed needed support, needed to, quote, get on foot, you know, which is what she would mm-hmm. say when our kind of cousins and folks would come up from the South, she would kind of work with them, help them get placed inside of the company or, or mm-hmm. other, you know, kind of networking company to help build community and build kind of critical mass inside. Um, and then she'd come home on the weekends and she'd organize all of the, you know, kind of community neighbors because she was obviously working very directly with engineers and new computers and new things to say yeah. like, our kids need to know what's going on. Like, this is the future, you know, the computer is going to be the future. And, you know, and before I know it, she had gotten the company to donate computers for us all to start learning coding. Um, you know, wow. like again, this is like in the in the late 70s. This is long before, you know, um the 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 crazy world of chat GPT right now, but you know, instilled in us kind of um an idea of knowing that we were not always having access to the things that were the latest and, and greatest and kind of pretending the future, but also um, making sure that we could make connections and and find the pathway to get there. And so, you know, so it was like kind of the organizing by night, corporate by day. And I think I learned a lot of how to navigate between environments because of her. That's really incredible. It It really makes me think a lot about how some of the people I'm the most inspired by when we get fired up about a cause or an issue and you know, you see a lot of fiery energy in people saying like, burn it all down, let's build something new. And I've actually learned some of the most valuable lessons in my life in these spaces that we all are privileged to occupy when we're, where we try to make change. 
from people who really can root in the pragmatism of idealism, who can say, yes, sounds like a cute idea, but also sounds a bit like anarchy. This is how you actually shift systems. This is how you create change within a society. This is how you move a needle and make healthier spaces, build healthier communities. You know, quote, burning something down is destruction. Imagine if you can shift culture and build something new inside of what is working, albeit perhaps working and failing at the same time. And and that kind of reality check has been so important for my evolution as a person. Mm. And to hear, you know, as an admirer of yours, to hear that you grew up in a house looking up to a mom who shifted systems, big ones, now I go, okay, I see, I, there, now I see something <laughs> that, I, that I, I've known about you, but I didn't know in that sort of detail. That's very cool. Oh, no, I, you know, like the kids say, she get it from her mama. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's how I feel every single day. And what's really funny, Sophia, is that I have, um, you know, over the years found kind of collections of my moms. My mom kind of went straight to work after high school because, you know, she was, you know, a, a young black woman in the, in the, even in the North, but, you know, a, a path to college was not yeah. in her, in her immediate future. So she went back to night school, uh, at some point during her career trajectory through wow. AT&T. And I found papers that she had written that are, like so incredibly radical, like so like actually embodying the, you know, we need to burn it to the ground. We need to light them up, you know? And, you know, and I think about her kind of in her, you know, in her day job, you know, when she's like in mm-hmm. her, you know, see blouse and, you know, she's like doing the the typist and my mom's still actually when you talk, when you, um, when you ask her to write something down, she still writes in steno. So like, you know, the very classic Mad Men, you know, version of her. And then I see these like beautifully typewritten, you know, kind of, you know, elegies around, you know, around what the movement and what the revolution is going to look like and how we're going to fight and how we're going to get there. And I think about her navigating between those spaces and that passion. And so even in that time, she was, she had an ideology of burning it down, but she was trying to like, kind of think about how do I start to make, um, radically incremental Mm -hmm. disruptions in the place that I am right now. Yes. And that, that's been the lesson. You're, you're articulating it even better than I can, that you have to have an ideology that is bigger than what seems possible. Yep. You have to be able to say the system isn't working and, and we should light it up. People yep. deserve better. And then when people say to you, oh, well, that's ridiculous idealism or you're, you're fantasizing about utopia, it's like, yeah, I want to build a utopia but I do understand that the only way to get there is, is you have to have an outsized radical goal and then figure out in time, the time we live in, how to shift all of these increments. And if you shift enough, perhaps the whole system changes, right? Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. And it does. It starts with vision. It starts with you know, for me as a, you know, as a young college student, you know, it was really about kind of 
what is the theory of change, right? How mm-hmm. do we, you know, and I think I think about that a lot in terms of movements, right? That movements are equations that, you know, mm-hmm. you have to think about, you know, what, what the input is, you know, how you're going to create the intervention, what's going to come out on the other side, and how do you test and refine and build more rigor in the work? Um, because it is, it is, it's, it's heart, right? It's, it's all heart, but it is also science, right? It's mm-hmm. a strategy of thinking about where you need people to be in any given moment to shift their behavior, where, mm. how does power operate in any given moment um, to hold people accountable? And those things have inputs behind them that I think are really important for us to understand. So like starting with that vision, that theory, and then seeing kind of in maybe more scientific ways, how we disrupt um, that, that to me is like, uh, I think a great natural kind of um, continuity. Mm. Yeah, that's really inspiring. And now a word from our sponsors that I really enjoy, and I think you will too. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And when you talk about, you know, exploring those avenues in college, you studied politics at Princeton, you know, you got an MA in political science at Yale, you, you've, you've taken such a deep dive into these structures that govern 
our lives. How, how do you feel like those studies led you to this place that you are, led you to running one of the largest and most important organizations, you know, that serves women and men uh, in our country? Yeah, so I went to school to study um, politics. Uh, I majored in politics as an undergrad, and I went to graduate school um, to understand uh, political science, which I see as a study of power, mm -hmm. right? And and obviously, disrupting anything requires understanding, not just understanding how power operates. And you know, the most basic definition of power is getting someone to do something they otherwise wouldn't do, right? Mm -hmm. So whether or not you um, you 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 hold that you in, you enforce that you as a, use a carrot or a stick, whether or not you use um, you know culture to change the way they see something or uh, you know the way you you kind of help them understand where where you think they're you know see their best interest um, in a, in a candidate. All of that are mechanisms of kind of using power to kind of drive different outcomes and behavior. And you know during my first year, second semester, I started TAing for my one of my professors, Kathy Cohen, uh, who had written um, an incredible book called Boundaries of Blackness. And it was about how the white gay community responded to the AIDS crisis differently than the black community. So really looking at kind of the organizing structure that happened in order to get access to um, mm. antivirals and, and, and so forth, and kind of where our center of um, kind of politics, you know, sat with with these various uh, communities. And, um, and so it was like a big, broad survey course uh, on on black politics, but we, we touched so much on movement building on resistance on what it took to what it takes rather to shape identity around, um, you know, uh, mobilization around representation and what that looks like for various communities. Like all of these things kind of started to hang together for me as um, I think very foundational for the kind of work that I wanted to pursue. Again, overlaying that because um, I was kind of a half, half of a math major and, and a political science major at Princeton. Mm. So I ended up kind of coming in with the same kind of idea that there's an equation here that we can solve. You know, mm. it's messier because it involves people and humans, mm. but it is still kind of an equation that we need to, to engage to, to think about how, what that, what that works looks like. Um, and so you know, getting that teaching bug early on, right? I mean, I I went to graduate school because I wanted to write and research, but getting access to to being able to teach early on and to engage with you know young people, but people were you know quite frankly my my age, um, mm -hmm. around how they saw the future and how they were shaping and thinking about their lives um, and where they were going politically, uh, I thought was just like really fascinating, and um, I it finished all of my. Uh, PhD requirements, um, including my qual. So I actually have an MPhil, not an MA. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am ABD. Um, but it was it was really about writing. Um, it was really about teaching and engaging. I spent so much time kind of in the classroom and realizing that I wasn't necessarily, um, I'd spent so much time in, in academia that I didn't really understand what was happening on the ground, that I had all these theories in my head about how politics operate, all these theories around what, um, you know, how to, how to engage. And the reality was, you know, 
what it actually looks like on the ground. There's like, you can have all of your, you know, A plus B squared, you know, whatever, but there's this big black box that mm-hmm. is people and, and movement that, um, that, that comes through on the other side and the output and that can change any given set of circumstances. So I really wanted to think about what it would mean for me to get out and get on the ground. And that's, um, and so I left academia um, in 2004 in order to kind of think through some of those, those pieces, 2003, 2004. Mm. Do you feel like it's it's almost a way to, when you talk about the theories that you're studying and, you know, these equations, getting out and working on the ground becomes a way to sort of pressure test those things and to see what works in community, what will actually shift, you know, public opinion or create public awareness? Yeah, exactly right. It is about, um, it is about testing your assumptions, right? Mm. It is about saying like, you know, I think if we do this, or we have this kind of conversation, people will respond to it. Mm. You know, this is what the polling says. This is how you, you know, create a message to move people along the continuum. But let's test it. You know, let's not just test it in a, you know, in a, in a focus group inside of a, you know, uh, you know, clinic or lab, let's actually test it in a beauty salon. Let's mm-hmm. actually go and talk and see how people are engaging. And that led me into doing a lot of organizing, um, leveraging some of um, folks that I'd met through the kind of coming up through hip hop as well and and understanding the music business and thinking about the ways in which, um, you know, we were having conversations that mm-hmm. were inherently political. They looked different than they did in my mom's time when she was, you know, coming up under post-civil, you know, civil rights and, and black power. But, you know, culture in in itself is also political. And we were having conversations mm-hmm. around disparity and, you know, calls to freedom and fights against, you know, uh, state violence and so forth. But what were we doing to channel that into actual political engagement? What were we doing to show up um, on any given election day to, to mm. see how we could change things? Yeah. How are you mobilizing community and voters and people to take agency over these policies that you know, affect everyone. Yes, exactly. So before we move into that and into the organizing, my my love of learning and, and the part of me that has such a crush on what your mom did and wants to go back to school all of the time, I'm like, hold the phone. We have an incredible teacher on the podcast. You know, you, you recommended one of your professor's books, Kathy's book. Are there a handful of books you would say for folks listening right now who are like, I want to know more about this. I want to know what you were reading. You know, what are the three to five books I've got to read to understand systems oh. of power or organizing? Like, can, will you give us a little syllabus? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, oh, I love it. Oh my goodness. Um, there's so many that are like flooding my brain right now. So I can just tell you like back at the time, the things okay. that I were reading. Um the uh, the origins of the civil rights movement by Alden Morris, right, which I think kind of dispels the the notion that you know people just got upset and they you know went out to the street and started protesting because they just got mm. fed up on the bus, you know, and mm-hmm. you know, and and decided to to organize themselves. It really looks at how 
um, movements happen through local organizing communities, right? It looks mm. like it, at how those networks get pulled together in conversation to drive and catalyze bigger change. Mm. It's not just like, you know, all of us individuals showing up. Um, and I think sometimes that's what it looks like when I think about the Women's March yes. um, of 2017, when I think about the folks who were marching for Black Lives Matter, you know, it, it, it sometimes looks like spontaneous, like, you know, I just called you and said, Sophia, let's just get on a bus and go to DC, you know, and no, actually, that's not how it happened. It happened yeah. through networks. It happened through community building. It happened through creating those conditions for wanting to be organized and then actually helping people organize. You know, and I always have to tell people like someone had to figure has to figure out where to park the buses, right? Mm-hmm. Movements need infrastructure. And that becomes a really important theme that, I, that I've carried through from reading um, um, Alden's book. Um in the same vein, because there's also an incredible documentary on Rustin, right? Baird Rustin now um, mm-hmm. on uh, Netflix, I think is mandatory watching. Um, you know, the John D'Amelio um, wrote a book about the life and times of Baird Rustin that I think is, you know, beautiful and um, just kind of helps us understand the real strategic thinking, again, behind the movement building. And you think about something like the March on Washington, it was organized in seven weeks, right? Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a group of 20, 30, 20, 30 year olds, right? Yeah. Creating that, um, you know, amazing kind of, you know, life changing experience for yeah. so many of us, right? And engaging with the highest levels of power going mm-hmm. to the Oval Office the next day, you know, even though um, um, Bayard did not go. Um, it does show you kind of so many different pieces. So like I, I stay grounded in the civil rights movement because I'm an immediate beneficiary in the post-civil rights generation as someone who was born in 1972. Mm. Um, goodness. There are so many other ones that are popping to my head, but I can't. <laughs> I have to actually send you a syllabus great, afterwards. Great, done. Well, and we'll put it all on our on the social stories for the podcast. It'll be great yeah, for sure. So that that shift you speak of, you know, nineteen seventy two, the early seventies, civil rights, Roe, we us winning Roe in nineteen seventy three. Here we are. Uh, uh, not even on the precipice, we're on the other side of true disaster for reproductive health. And, you know, you took over as president of Planned Parenthood in 2019, but you were on the board and and, and the board chair for many years before that. How did you get started there? And how stark did the shift feel once Trump was elected in terms of what the organization was bracing for? Oh my goodness. So I um I came out of academia as I said to organize through culture mm-hmm. and you know found myself kind of making a, a, a another bet another theory of change around what it would take to organize the hip hop generation. Mm. And you know back in the day we used to buy records at Tower Records like you'd stand in line yeah. right but you know oh God, how marketing works yeah. right exactly a virgin right yeah. and you um it required people 
to know that an album was dropping, you know, get all mm-hmm. the hype around it, all of the marketing and all of that happened again through a bunch of, of, of local organizing networks, right? You found mm-hmm. out about it because your club promoter was playing. You found out it because your friends were talking about it. It was in, you know, teen magazine, like all of the ways in which you would connect the dots there. And, um, you know, the thing I learned kind of in that process is that albums drop every Tuesday for billboard sake, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what, you know, the rates come, um, ranks come out on Wednesday and it would like give you the full week to get to the top of the charts. Mm-hmm. And um, being able to identify the fact that like, okay, on any given Tuesday, how about election day? We can build that model in. So I had mm-hmm. been doing this work of organizing in that way um, for, you know, the better part of, of, of a few years when I, you know, subsequently decided to start a research institute around how our brains process race and gender. And so I had had a lot of kind of, kind of weird, not necessarily continuous, but all like, you know, coherent um, jobs that I had been building and just like kind of thinking in a, you know, maybe perhaps like social entrepreneurial way. And I found myself walking down the street in Soho, New York, um, shopping, you know, looked up and saw this young black girl's um, face on a on a billboard. And I, you know, just was drawn to her. And, and as I got close to it, um, I just wanted to see like who she was representing. Um, mm. The words underneath her said, the most dangerous place for an African-American are in the womb. Mm. And it was like, you know, one of the, you know, the first time I'd ever seen an anti-abortion ad in New York City. And I was just, I was like jarring. It was disorienting. And I found myself at a dinner with Cecile Richards um, not too long Mm -hmm. afterwards. And I just was like, oh my God, do you know what's going on in New York? They're like coming for abortion here. And it's like someone who is, you know, should, should have been way more sophisticated around kind of politically what was happening. I realized at the time that I didn't actually have a lot of gender in my portfolio of work, in my thinking, mm. um, you know, I, I, you know, worked a lot on on issues related to to black politics and issues related to criminal justice, but I was not actually centering the very experiences that I that had been, you know, brought me into the work that my mom, you know, it also kind of in, in inculcated in me, mm. and so I told her you know, Cecile, you need to do something about this. And she was like, look, sister, you need to do something about this. <laughs> and she recruited me to the board. And wow. um, it was a, you know, just such an honor to be able to step in at a high level at a national board to get, you know, kind of a big picture view of what was happening across the, you know, across the country with mm-hmm. all of these various um you know, like the beginnings of what we are seeing now, right? We're mm-hmm. just starting to see the trap laws, the targeted regulations against abortion providers start to crop up to test, you know, the boundaries of Roe and Casey. Mm-hmm. You just started to see, you know, some of the, um, you know, increasing kind of attacks on Planned Parenthood itself. You know, obviously there always been attacks, but they started to get more focused and more deliberate. Um, Mm -hmm. We just, you know, we, you know, I, so I joined the board and I was there in 2010, you know, when the Tea Party Congress um, not only remade, you know, Congress, but also remade redistricting across the South and so many of these states that now have abortion bans. So I think what was, what was interesting for me kind of at the, you know, over the last decade or so has been to like watching the various ways in which 
the opposition has felt comfortable in consolidating mm-hmm. its power, right? Mm-hmm. And building structures to enforce that, that power so it can't be challenged easily. Um, and then standing fully in that power to enact things, even when they are out of step with what where the people are. Yes. Right. And you think about, you know, going back to like that study of power, it's like it's 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 power towards what end, right? You mm-hmm. can amass as many bodies, you can amass as many, you know, celebrities to talk about something, you can get all the networks like kind of aligned on something, but you have to be willing to take that and mm-hmm. channel that into a policy aim um, mm-hmm. for whatever you're fighting for. And I think having that backdrop and watching how not seamlessly, I mean, you know, um, but very strategically, um, how they weaponized each opportunity to yes. to cement their gains. Um, that I think is actually something that's just, as a student, really fascinating. As a mm-hmm. as a person, as a citizen, horrifying. And now for our sponsors. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. It feels barbaric. It it feels like um, the image that comes to mind as you're speaking 
is that sort of, and not to say that it's uh, in any way, you know, a child story, but like the, the almost cartoon image uh, that we used to see as kids of like a caveman clubbing another person. It, it feels like that. It feels like people are just getting clubbed. Like it's just these violent hits to humanity that, that to your point, serve what end, you know, wreaking havoc and harm on families and, you know, forcing people to remain in dangerous situations and and essentially enforcing a poverty class because it's the folks who have the least who get the, who get harmed the most by these um, inactions of brute force power. And I, it isn't lost on me that there are people who said to us, you know, when, when Trump was promising to do this, that we were being hysterical and ridiculous and it would never happen. And here we are. And, you know, we look at, you know, just in the last month cases for women like Kate Cox in Texas and Brittany Watts in Ohio, you know, yep. these women who are, who are being penalized and brutalized over the loss of pregnancies. And it is, it is breathtaking to see this sort of cruelty and so many people in your position and in and in the communities we you know are blessed enough to share these Venn diagrams of who show up for this work said we warned you this would happen what what do you wish that everyone who perhaps doesn't have you know the the time to dive as deep into this issue what do you wish everyone knew or understood about Roe v Wade being overturned and and what the larger picture of this is, um, mm. you know, as it pertains to cases like these. Oh, that's a great question, Sophia. I think, I think just first on the two cases, mm. right? Uh, because I think they're really emblematic of what else we said would happen. I think that mm. the fight over abortion has been one that has. Um, been driven by stigma um, mm-hmm. and shame, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in a narrow, the most narrow scope, fighting over exceptions and you know, um, uh, harm to the parents' health, and it in this way, it really helps us understand that, you know, for Kate Cox, for example, that abortion bans actually make pregnancy more dangerous. It helps us understand Mm -hmm. that abortion is part of healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I remember when the first sepsis stories were coming out during SBA in Texas, Mm -hmm. like March was March of uh, 2022, I guess was like the first time I I heard of a a story like that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 21. And it's like, this is madness like this is crazy um they, no one could possibly you know be treated like this and you know and and i would tell people about people going home and waiting for mm-hmm. sepsis to sit in and they would just say i can't believe that that's crazy that's not going to happen yeah and here we are fast forward like that is exactly the reality that is playing out again in yes. texas and then to hear you know britney's lots of story you know is a reminder that it is not about abortion 
being banned. It is it is about the fact that abortion is criminalized, right? Yes. You become a you know a criminal for participating in um, getting access to healthcare. So whether that is your provider, because that was the threat for Kate, right? That mm-hmm. that Ken Paxton said we are going to, you know, subject you to potentially 99, you know, years in prison, $100,000 fines, loss yeah. of licensure, that criminalization. And then you also have, you know, criminalization of the woman who's pregnant, right? Like that is, you know, a, what, again, out of, totally out of step with where public opinion is on mm-hmm. these issues, where, regardless of what, where people think um, about uh, abortion. But what it says about Roe, right, is, that Roe was never enough. Uh, Roe was not, you know, mm. not grounded in equality. And I think that, you know, we, we talk about freedom and we talk about equality and we talk about these as like, I have the right to my own bodily autonomy as a, you know, as a citizen uh, being governed under this constitution. But Roe was really about privacy. It was about, mm. um, you know, when the state interest came, came in during gestation. And then you add Casey about burden. And we can see the trap loss tested that the burden, you know, all along the privacy, you know, um, rights that we believe to to be held under the Constitution. You know, you can see how the, this conservative supermajority has started to to gut them most famously with Clarence Thomas saying we, we don't even have a right to like <laughs> to get access to birth control without asking our partners, like all of the ways in which um the overturning of Roe and Casey have um, really challenged fundamental ways in which we have understood our citizenship. And, you know, that notion that I wish people had understood at the beginning is that in order for us to get back into the constitution or when we get back into the constitution, it has got to be grounded in a base level understanding that you cannot be free unless you can control your own body unless Mm -hmm. you can control your own reproduction. Mm -hmm. You cannot be fundamentally free. You cannot have any sense of self-determination unless you were able to make those decisions. Mm -hmm. And we have been slowly chipping away at those rights for so long. We have been slowly kind of chipping away at the ability, you know, even though the right existed to Mm -hmm. what access looked like um, and creating more hurdles and burdens. And I think that's what we are seeing play out in in the most incredible ways. So, I want to ask a couple of questions about this, because again, when we talk about these systems of power and the way that our rights have been narrowed and and chipped away at, as you said, I think it's hard for a lot of people to understand the level of um, moral depravity that it requires on on the part of a lot of these people in power, on on the part of the right to do this to other humans. To your point, people say, no one's going to do that. No one's going to make a woman go septic before they let her have a DNC. And that's exactly what they're doing. And so there's a couple of things that I've learned along the way that have been really um, illuminating for me, including the fact that you know, Roe passed in 1973, and it wasn't actually until the far right lost their last appeal to stop integration in 1979 that they decided to make abortion their issue. For six years, they didn't care because everybody understands that healthcare requires access to abortion. And by the way, for our friends at home, 
The reality is when you live in a state where abortion access is possible, where reproductive care is possible, where birth control is easily accessed, when you have, you know, access to contraception in your health care, abortion rates go down. <laughs> like the fact is that when we have democratic leaders who give women and pregnant people autonomy over their own bodies, they, they often don't get to the point where they need an abortion in the first place. So more access actually means less need for it. That's just a fact. That's just the math. But, but some of this insidiousness, the, the racism tied to the sexism um, that, was, that I'm talking about in that six-year window in the 70s, mm -hmm. the, um, the sort of brute force control of women and pregnant people where they say you don't deserve your autonomy, where in the opinion that we all read prior to Roe falling, there was a literal quote, we need to ensure a domestic supply of infants. L like we're talking about, you know, cattle farms here. How do you as, as, as our expert and, you know, beacon here in terms of what we do next, how do you explain to people how insidious this kind of exercising of control over 51 plus percent of the population really is and 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 how the roots go back into these attempts at stopping social progress uh, it is um look authoritarianism is very seductive um power mm. and and control is very seductive and you know you are descending into authoritarian realms um, when attempts to control half of the population are first on the agenda. We see this consistently mm. globally, right? I mean, just you know, in a matter of months ago, um, we heard the the uh, leader of China speaking about the need, right, for a greater supply of their domestic bodies in order to to support an aging population, right? So, so the mm. use of policy to control um, our bodies is not is obviously not new to the United States, and mm. and obviously goes back four hundred years to the enslavement of bodies in order to enable progress for some in, in the United States. So like, mm. none of this is disconnected from white supremacy. None of this is disconnected from uh, patriarchy and misogyny. None of this is disconnected from our current descent into authoritarianism impulses and ideologies inside of this country. Um, and I think we have to actually, you know, we've, we've always held the U.S. as, as, as an exception, you know, to, um, you know, the, the, um, the the great experiment in in democracy um but we we never really look back and say democracy has actually never been idealized and you know realized in in our you know um you know for for us in our in our generations mm -hmm. um and you know the fight is to make democracy real and at the same time when you are seeing these efforts to control our bodies which are always coupled with uh, attacks on our ability to express our voice through democracy, right? We saw that in mm. the Ohio ballot initiative. It wasn't just that you could go to the polls and express a, you know, up and down vote on a ballot initiative. They put other democratic hurdles in place in order to change what the threshold of that vote would uh, would mean. Um, mm. So, so we're always seeing this. You know, like I would like to point out that that we talk about SB eight in Texas as being this so outrageous, um, you know, uh, abortion ban, and yes, it it was in 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 its novel way of being enforced. But we have to remember that SB one 
was the effort to curtail uh, voting rights in, mm-hmm. in in Texas. So they 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 go together in hand those in ways, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you're so right to point back to um, the seventies there of you know Phil Schaffley and Karl Rove, where they were trying to find out what would motivate evangelicals to to come out because they were losing national elections in in really profound ways, and they were trying to find out why people were not voting Mm. and they were not voting because, you know, they were interested in, you know, segregation, right? They wanted to fight to, to keep the many of their uh, communities and their um, universities uh, segregated and, you know, knowing they could not run on that choosing abortion and making it a hyper-partisan issue when in fact mm. it had actually been a bipartisan issue all along. And mm. I think we forget that. I know people ask me all the time, like, where are the Republicans on this issue? And I can't believe, you know, this is just a democratic issue. And like, we are a nonpartisan organization. And yet yeah. the people who consistently show up for us, the people who consistently show up because they believe in freedom uh, and bodily autonomy are people who are um, you know, who believe in, um, you know, in our right to self-determination. That looks mm-hmm. a lot more like people in the Democratic Party than it does um, elsewhere. And yes. I think that is thinking about that and and layering on all of what we've seen, particularly um, with the last administration, this opening up a very um, unapologetic, you know, um, uh, white supremacist attitudes, unapologetic, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, gender sexist norms, um, the kinds of fights that they are are building, not just on on abortion, but also mm. on birth control and IVF, also mm-hmm. on how we understand our history, also on trans rights. You know, yes. like this, it's not an accident, right? It is. Mm-hmm. It is all part and parcel of this intersection of hate, this intersection of misogyny and patriarchy mm-hmm. and um, uh, white supremacy, and how it all kind of becomes fuel to push forward an authoritarian regime. We'll be back in just a minute after a few words from our favorite sponsors. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I spoke about this with a gathering of folks at the National Institute of Reproductive Health um, event in in March. It was no, maybe I maybe it was April of 2023. And for me, as a cisgendered woman, it is so incredibly important that we do not lose sight of the fact that the reason the right is attacking our trans friends so intensely right now is because abortion access and autonomy has never been more popular among Republican women. Exactly. And so they need a new scapegoat to attack and normalize the repression of bodily autonomy and the way in which they are attempting to message that equity for trans people somehow attacks cis women's womanhood. I'm just like, wow, y'all really, you are so willing to do the grossest things to harm the already most at-risk people to just breed fuel for your hate machines. And I think it is, a, it is very interesting to see, um, you know, we spoke about her a moment ago, but to see a, a case like Kate Cox's happening in Texas Because she is, I think, representative of things that can shake more right-leaning folks into the awareness that this is absolutely insane and this absolutely is a war on women. You know, she is already a mother of two. She's like 60% of the women in America who seek abortion care. They are already mothers. And she wanted this third baby. Her and her husband were so excited. And this baby is not going to live. The fetus has a genetic condition that is fatal, unequivocally. Her life is at risk. She might not only, her doctors have told her she might not only die, but if she lives, she could actually never get pregnant again. Exactly. If she's forced to carry this, this dying baby to term. And Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, I'm just going through some details for our friends at home if they haven't read the articles, had the nerve to intervene and say her doctor's and her are not allowed to make a decision to save her own life, that he just will not allow this abortion to happen. And it is not lost on me. And by the way, I, I want to do everything I can to support this woman and her family. And it is not lost on me that her story has become national news, whereas Brittany Watts' story isn't getting mm-hmm. a ton of attention. Mm-hmm. And she is a, a Black woman who miscarried in Ohio— she miscarried at home and has been charged with, uh, you know, I don't know what the technical term is, like defiling a corpse or something insane. 
because she attempted to flush the toilet after she had a miscarriage. Like it is so, I just look around and I, I'm seeing the way these poor women are just being battered by the, the legal system. Yeah. And some get more attention than others. And, and maybe we need, you know, Kate Cox's story to go national to wake up white Republican women. And I want those women to be just as upset for Brittany Watts. Mm-hmm. Without, without question. Yeah. And I, and I just, I wonder what from your vantage point, you know, sitting, sitting at the, at, at the presidential top of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, how do you recommend that we, folks like me who don't, you know, hold the, the office you do, how do you recommend that we best use our platforms and power, that we best advocate for women like this? You know, I know we're all wondering, why are they denying Kate Cox an abortion? Why? Why would they punish Brittany Watts she had a miscarriage, this poor woman. She was 21 weeks pregnant. Why? Is there, is there a why that makes sense? And, and is the answer to that question something we can all use to advocate on? I think, I, I think one, one thing I would say is you're doing it right now, right? You're doing some, one of the most important things, which is helping people understand the the continuum of what is happening with abortion bans, right? By mm. by sharing Kate Cox's story, we are talking about, again, as I said, like abortion bans make pregnancy more dangerous. It's a clear case, right, with Kate mm-hmm. Cox. And, you know, the, the very notion that she had to go before a judge to justify uh healthcare that she needed, right? Yeah, she had to, to justify not dying. She, she, to share her name, to share her story, all of these things, which should be private medical decisions that she's making with her family, with her, with her provider, whomever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that she had to travel outside of state in order to get the care. And I have uh, stories like that every single day that come into, um, yeah. you know, come into our folks who come into our health centers who are getting on planes and navigating TSA while they're miscarrying or because they <sighs> need to get access to care. It's, it's, it's horrific. But the other piece is bringing bringing to light the what what is happening to Brittany Watts because the criminalization right when you when you lose a constitutionally protected right the criminalization of pregnancy outcomes particularly among Black and other women of color yes. who are often over policed and they are more vulnerable and we have to see that um, um, all of us as a as how we are being impacted and disproportionately impacted by these bans. And um, right before the Dobbs decision, uh, we had been doing a lot of work at the at the national office around just understanding what the, um, you know, whether or not people believe that Roe would be overturned. We mm. we knew we could see the writing on the wall, right? And if you if you didn't believe it, you know, in twenty one, you certainly heard it, um, you know, in the oral arguments. And so to not believe that going into twenty two that that Dobbs was going to overturn was kind of a, it was it was actually a seventy percent gap in p- people who believed and didn't believe. Yeah. Only, wow. only 30% of people actually believed that Roe would be overturned. Um, I believe that that believability gap rested on an empathy gap, right? Mm. Because the people did not believe what was happening, what happened to them, right? That they would be affected. They would have the access. They would right. have the resources. They would have the ability to think about it. They were not centering the people who were always most harmed, 
by abortion beds and understanding that when they are harmed, that you also will be harmed Mm -hmm. in that process, right? And I think that that is something that I think is really important. Um, I think the second thing to understand here is that there is no state where banning abortion, where criminalizing abortion is popular, right? Public opinion is very much on the side of reproductive freedom. And we have to remember that and keep saying that because Mm -hmm. the reason why we have these bans is because the opposition has locked in a structural advantage, a political advantage in these states mm. by gerrymandering, through um, pushing through judges, through uh, my earliest point, right? Standing in power towards this diabolical and perverse end. Ken Paxton didn't have nerve. He had perversion. And we have to be mm. really clear about the fact that standing in your power to deny someone freedom is not golf. It's not courage right? That is a diabolical perversion to control someone's outcome. And that, yeah. So when people, because I do think a lot of people will hear those words that you just spoke and say, but why? What's the point? If it's not popular with the people, if they have to essentially break the laws of democracy and, and act in opposition to the United States Constitution to do this stuff, why are they doing it? What's what's the real answer there? What- what's the end game? You know, um, I, I again, I think it is this. We I tell my team all the time we're on the front lines of fighting fascism. Right? Mm-hmm. This is a, this is about this is about power and control. The cruelty mm-hmm. is actually the point, and um, I don't think it serves us to to try to get in the minds of what the end game is. Mm-hmm. It really is about locking in power and control for the next generation, right? Mm. You know, there for for a whole host of reasons. And mm-hmm. and I and I and there's a lot of strange bedfellows that are part of the conversation of 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 reproductive oppression. Mm-hmm. Um but I think what's most important for us to understand is the majority is on our side, right? Yeah. So question is what do we do with that? <laughs> you know, what do we do right. with that going into 2024, knowing right. that we have, you know, uh, six ballot initiatives that are um, incredibly important that um, reproductive rights champions up and down the ballot are, are, are going to be um, engaging at least six, right? Mm-hmm. We know that we have seen consistently every time that abortion is on the ballot that freedom wins. Mm-hmm. And to your point, we don't get a Kansas, you don't get an Ohio, you don't get a Montana or a Kentucky if you don't have suburban Republican women showing up and saying, hey, not my body. No, this is yeah. not going to happen. So can you tell folks at home when you reference those states what what some of those wins are and uh, and what some of these ballot initiatives, the six you're speaking of, are coming in, in 2024? Yeah, for sure. The um, Look, the wins were... Um, the 22 midterms, right? I mean, mm-hmm. right after right after Dobbs was over, uh, keep saying Dobbs is overturned. That is that's where we're going going to go in 15 years. Right after Roe was overturned, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the first ballot initiative was was Kansas, right? To mm-hmm. kind of um, protect and um, codify the um, abortion rights in the Constitution. And and after Kansas, we saw a number of other ballot initiatives in in another five states where. Um, people came, 
you know, out from across the, you know, across their states to stand up for reproductive freedom. That also helps stave off the, you know, what what many expected would be a a red wave of the the midterms, right? So Mm -hmm. I, I think that it's really important for us to understand that, again, we are the majority. And when we show up, our power, right? We stand yeah. in our power and we stand in our values and our theory, like that actually does get a return on investment that mm-hmm. is actualizing and, and creating protections for abortion access in state constitutions. We have yeah. lost the federal protection um, to our, our right to abortion when Roe was overturned. But state by state, we are able to codify or enforce mm-hmm. protections under various state constitutions, all of which are unique and different, have to be approached in different ways. Mm-hmm. So, so that's 22 this year. Um, another critically important ballot initiative in Ohio that um, also helped us protect abortion access in Ohio, which is so important when you think about um, the vast majority of those 21 states that have restrictions where um, people are traveling. You know, if I leave, mm-hmm. uh, you know, New York and I hit, you know, Virginia is the last state in the South. I have to go all the way down and make a left and get to New Mexico before I can get access to abortion again. <sighs> so Ohio, people are, are traveling upwards of 900 miles mm-hmm. to Ohio and to Illinois and yep. to places, Michigan, places, you know, in the Midwest that also mm-hmm. protect us. Yeah. Florida next year, I think there's there, there's six ballot initiatives. There's two that I think are are among the most important. And I don't want to play favorites with ballot initiatives because I think they're all they're all critically important because they all improve access um, for folks in areas. But I just want to pick on two for for a second, which is Florida. Um and the organization that is is organizing this ballot initiative is Florida Floridians Protecting Freedom. They mm. are on track to put abortion on the ballot um, right now. Um, and Florida is such a critical access state uh, in the South, right? All of yeah. those people in the South to go to Florida, all of the people in the global South who are coming in from, you know, um, other parts of, of the Southern Hemisphere who land in the United States need to be able to get access to care as well. Yeah. So Florida sees the largest um, population of, of people who are getting um, abortion to the South. And if, if Florida um, no longer ha- has the ability to provide those abortions, mm-hmm. those 80,000 folks are going to, you know, have to travel even further and they will overwhelm mm-hmm. the infrastructure that, yeah. that, you know, has already been compromised by jobs, yeah. right? Um, so it's important. Any anybody who's doing anything right now supporting Florida is like my number one, um, yes. my number one ask. New York is also has a ballot initiative, and here I actually think it's really important for us to understand. Yes, New York, access state. We obviously have friendly lawmakers can't get too uh, comfortable resources and everything. We can't get too comfortable, but the opportunity here, right, in states where you do have power, right? States like California, where you do have the ability to push and expand access becomes really important. But in New York, there's a ballot initiative to really test the language around what is equality, right? Mm. What does it actually mean for our to be included in a state constitution as as with the rights, including the rights as a pregnant person to terminate your pregnancy um, it is, is a really powerful kind of way for us to come back at, at, and solve for some of the challenges that, again, Roe never did. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do think it's important for us to pay attention to opportunities where we can expand and push and test laws in states yes. where are favorable um, and also making sure that we're holding on to every last bastion because we know mm-hmm. that's where the people are. Yeah. And that's where I would engage. We'll be back in just a minute, but here's a word from our sponsors. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I want to just take a second and tell our listeners at home that we will put together a list of these ballot initiatives uh, that Alexis is referring to, and we'll make sure to share them in the stories for this episode because we want to make sure you guys are able to, you know, make notes of these things, know what's happening in your state, know what's happening in surrounding states where you can lend your voice, where you can reach out to family and, you know, really track this stuff through the year. One of the other things that I know is coming down the pipeline fast and hot is the Supreme Court is going to be hearing a case on Mifepristone which is medication abortion. And that's used in more than 50% of abortions in the U.S. It it has been proven to be safer than Viagra. It It is a safe, trustworthy medication that can assist people, particularly, you know, when they find out that they're pregnant very early in not being so, should they need to not be or or want to not be. What 
What can you tell us about what you know about the case so far? And, you know, I, I, I know so many of us feel rather powerless in the face of the Supreme Court, particularly because it was hijacked by the former president uh, for political gain in, in such an abhorrent way, um, aided obviously by Mitch McConnell's, you know, railroading and then ramming people through. Mm-hmm. The double standard uh, during the Obama administration and the Trump administration was wild to watch happen in public. What do you what do you think is going to happen? And is there anything we as a citizenry can do? Are there petitions to sign? Are there marches to hit? You know, what What do we do to stand up for our rights in the face of this impending court case? Well, it's wild, right, um, that we are back at the Supreme Court next year <laughs> <laughs> again, um, uh, going into another critical election um, where the court is is going to decide the fate of Mifa Pristone. And I should do like one little really quick PSA. I want people to understand that Mifa Pristone remains on the market, but people are able to get access to Mifa Pristone yes. right now. And there'll be people who may need Mifa Pristone right now. And I want them to understand that it is actually still accessible where abortion is legal. Um, but yeah, we're it, it's, it's just emblematic of what we're talking about. Courts and politicians are deciding what mm-hmm. medicines are available, you know, to the public and how they can be administered is 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 bonkers. Um, I think in terms of what we can do, it, it is about telling the stories, right? It is about helping the court understand the um the many Kate Cox's stories, the many Brittany Watts stories, the many of the untold uh, pregnant people who have been impacted by um, abortion bans um, and criminalization over this last year. It's it's mm-hmm. helping them understand the havoc and the chaos and the control um, that they have wreaked on um, on half the population. I think that mm-hmm. is, I think, uh, really important. And obviously, we know justices do pay attention to the things that they are hearing and reading and understanding. Um, and so I think having the people's voice out there is the strongest, uh, you know, is the, is the strongest play per se um, mm-hmm. for the court, right? Um, but we also know that our work next year is about ensuring that we have a governing majority uh, of people who will fight for reproductive freedom, right? That looks like returning the Biden-Harris administration back into office who have been consistent, powerful champions of reproductive freedom Mm -hmm. uh, over this last uh, term. It means ensuring that we get a Senate that will fight and also uh, take down the filibuster so that we can pass federal legislation to codify, right, to restore Roe. We need to Mm -hmm. actually build Roe back better, right? Like, because like I said, Roe was the floor. We need to build that back better. Um, And and that means ensuring that we have a Senate um, and a Senate majority that is willing to to reform the filibuster in order to get that legislation passed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it also means, you know, for someone, New York and California becomes really important because we have an opportunity to, to get Back to a a, um, a house of representatives that that has a uh, reproductive freedom majority, and we have been winning so many of these races. We know that the population uh, is with us, right? Like the mm-hmm. people are with us, a hundred percent, bar none. And that's why they're scared. That's why they're trying to change democracy because right. they know that we actually really care about our freedom. They think we're going to like 
be thinking about inflation or some, something else that we somehow forgot that that they <laughs> took stripped us from our rights. Um, but we're experiencing it in, in in so many different ways. These stories that we're hearing are um, are not distant, right? Like you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I know a Kate Cox, right? I don't know her, but I know a Kate Cox, right? I yes. know a Brittany. I know the people who are being harmed by these bans, and um, and and I think people are really you know continue to be fired up and engaged to to support reproductive freedom. So it is going to be a long march into into 24. It's it's already here. Um mm-hmm. but I think in order to honor um you know and I think about honoring and standing not just on the shoulders of folks like my mom that I that I referenced earlier or the freedom fighters who who have who have kind of blazed the the path for us but also standing in our power in the same mm-hmm. way the opposition does and not letting anybody forget that we are the majority uh, mm-hmm. they may be afraid of that but that is not um that is th- that is not the our our end game is to make sure that we are able to to hold on to um our fight for reproductive freedom because it's it's so critical right now. Yes. I think if anything, the fight for reproductive autonomy has really taught me that to your point earlier, our democratic ideals are incredible. We have not lived up to them yet, but the, the North star of what equity was meant to be is meant to be in the United States should always be the goal that we push toward And the fight for reproductive autonomy makes it so clear to me that democracy is not just an ideal, but actually has to be looked at as a verb. We have to, we have to enact it. We have to participate in it and we have to pressure test it all the time. Because when we get comfortable, when we think, oh, we've passed this law, that's done now. It's not. We have to hold the line and we've been pushed back and back off of this line of, of to your point, imperfect equity, certainly. But if we're going to build back better with Roe, we have to reclaim this territory and then we have to continue to hold it and push it. And it, I can't tell you how <laughs> relieved in a way it makes me feel to hear you talk about recreating a better Roe as a possibility. Because that was going to be my next question for you was, do you think we can ever get get row back and and then some and clearly you do and i'm like oh thank god yeah. <laughs> yeah no i mean you know we have to build a plan from 24 to 2040 right i'm obviously right. laser focused on what we need to do in the immediate um but we have the opportunity uh, and again knowing where the electorate is right mm. making sure they understand that they do have the levers at yes. their you know um at their fingertips literally at their fingertips um to elect you know, reproductive freedom champions is so mm-hmm. important, but we do have to think about what it will take for us to get back into the constitution. We have to lay the ground yeah. for the next question that will hit the next Supreme Court. And that may mm-hmm. not be in a time that we are still here, right? It may be mm-hmm. when my 11 and 14 year old daughters um, see that come to fruition, but instilling that fight in now and that expectation that we mm-hmm. are not, you know, that, you know, you, when you take away our freedoms, we are going to continue to fight until we get them back. Um, yeah. That this is not a future state. I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. I also think it's really important, Sophia, that um, we're living in really dark times right now, and hopelessness is is really a luxury. Um, you know, there's so many people who are experiencing incredible harms based on mm-hmm. these 
um, you know, abortion being criminalized in their states. And yeah. we have to actually build, I talked about the, the movement infrastructure that was so important. I also think mm-hmm. hope needs an infrastructure, right? Hope needs people who will consistently choose hope, who yes. will, you know, help support the providers on the front line, the people who are patient navigation, you know, helping them navigate from one city to the next, helping abortion funds, you know, mm-hmm. who are providing resources critically for for people and um, as they as they go on their journey, um, people who are going to litigate these fights, right? Thank yeah. God that Kate Cox was able to call the Center for Reproductive Rights and a lawyer took her case and helped her, yes. you know, get through that, you know, and supporting um, folks like Brittany Watts as well, who, you know, are now facing a, a criminalization, right? A totally different kind of, um, you know, litigation um, mm-hmm. challenge. And so I do think that um, whatever we can do as individuals and as communities and as networks of folks to come mm-hmm. together to be that infrastructure of hope for the patients right now, um, that will also help us change and transform all mm-hmm. our culture in a way that maybe sometimes for, for many will precede the policy change that we need mm. to see, right? It's not just about yeah. electing people. It is about electing people. I shouldn't say that. It is about electing people. But sometimes it's also about changing the culture and helping people understand that culture change oftentimes precedes policy and political change and that we yes. have to make sure we, as stewards of the culture, stay deeply invested here, telling our stories, supporting the people and um, and making the case at every turn why these policies are harmful, and mm-hmm. that will create the conditions for change in the future as well. Yes, because we we can't just focus on policy. We have we have to focus on the personal. We have to have the hope. We have to build the community. That's what keeps us going. When you think about that, you know, I, I I imagine that most of the folks at home listening are like, "Where do I sign up? And what do I do?" Uh, so my my two questions for you are what can people in need of an abortion do today where can people turn what's the first thing you know they should look up on online and how can people at home who want to get involved in this fight join rank and and show up uh to create that culture of hope that you're referencing uh so if you need an abortion you can go to abortionfinder.org um that is a website that is run by Power to Decide, but has, you know, a- appointments from Planned Parenthood, from independent providers who will help mm-hmm. people understand what the rules are in their state, because we also know they change, you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. quickly and get access to, um, to, to the care. If you want to fight politically, come to Planned Parenthood Action Fund. Um, you can just uh, uh, sign up on our website to take action and um, we will we will put you to work, PlannedParenthoodAction.org. And, um, you know, look, there are um, no shortage of, of organizations and people who are, are committed to, to getting us all to reproductive freedom. And I think it's really important that we look at every avenue uh, to engage and stay connected and to really have these conversations, you know, mm-hmm. like, have these conversations over the holidays, have these conversations at the grocery lines, have these conversations where, you know, on the beach, wherever you are, because the more we are able to remind people, you know, that these harms are real and Mm -hmm. um, that we also have the power to solve them. I think the more we'll be able to accelerate the change that we need to see. I love that. Thank you. And for you, 
as an individual, you know, you you talk about your family, your kids, and you also you wrap your arms not just around them, but around the nation, around everyone in need of this sort of support. It's it's a big balancing act that that you do so beautifully. Where the sort of personal and, and political perhaps meet and you figure out, you know, in the moments what fuels you individually, what feels like your work in progress right now? Oh, my goodness. Um, honestly, it has been, um, I came into this role through a leadership transition. I've been leading, you know, a healthcare organization through COVID, uh, through, you know, uh, the 2020 election and insurrection, the, mm. you know, race reckoning in SB8 and Dobbs. Mm. Turning the corner into 24 or into 23 even, um, it's the first time we've really had as an organization to like kind of rethink, restructure and really rebuild and reimagine um, what the fight ahead looks like, right? Mm. We are not, you know, we, we, we have spent so many years as, as, you know, I've talked about kind of on defense, right. Mm -hmm. You know, putting our fingers in the holes and fighting just to ensure access for, you know, as, as many patients as possible. And now we do have to reimagine the right. Now we do have to resource that strategic thinking. And that's actually my happy place, you know, personally and professionally, it like kind of takes me full circle to, the theories, you know, that I started off with about like how I could get young hip hop heads out to the, to the, out of the barbershops and, and the clubs into the polls. Yeah. And that, um, you know, thinking about how we save democracy, how we expand access, how we continue to, you know, um, not break serve on all of these ballot initiatives, um, in these fights that, that is going to mm-hmm. continue to restore me. So that's how I'm going to spend the end of the beginning of my year kind of really in deep reflection and reimagination um, so we can come out swinging in 24. Beautiful. Thank you so much. You, anytime I get to, you know, spend time around your thinking, whether it's in conversation or reading something you've written, I feel bolstered to keep going. And I'm sure our friends at home feel that today too. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.